Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Cronomier, Goddess of Victory Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 13 The Lost Miles from the Iceni camp, hidden in a dell where the roots of ancient trees weaved in and out of the subsided landscape, the Professor and Astrid sat either side of a fire in silence. Kindling crackled and popped, whilst the two women recovered after their hurried escape from Boudicca and Madeline. But neither of them could truly rest. The night had held too many terrors. Astrid had finally broken away from the professor's grasp once they were a safe distance from the clearing. She'd staggered ahead and righted herself, glaring at the professor in silent judgment before stomping ahead to safety. The weary professor had made no attempt to calm her. She breathed deeply and followed. Sitting now beside the fire, her friend visible through the dancing flames, the professor knew better than to speak first. And so she waited wondering if a word would pass between them before the dawn seeped over the horizon. After hours of silence, Astrid spoke. Who is she, then? she asked in a croaky but sharp voice. She, the professor began. In the empty hours that had passed between them, she had practised this answer a hundred times, but still she could not fathom where to begin. She's from my own time, the eighteen hundreds. Her name is Madeline Tempestra. Astrid mulled the answer for some time and then spoke again. You call them my love. Yes, the professor breathed sadly, not able to give the answer full voice. If she's one of yours, then why is she here? I, uh, I don't know, the professor began. Not for certain, at least. I, I would imagine it was the result of the, um... Well, it's it's difficult to explain, but we... we... Explain, Astrid said simply. The professor's eyes met Astrid's for the first time since the clearing. She held the gaze for as long as she could bear, and then looked away, reaching into the pocket of her battered frock coat. Astrid watched as she produced a length of thin leather string, from which dangled a shining metal cog. This was around Boudicca's neck, the professor began. Perhaps you'll recognise it. There are many inside the workings of the ship. Several in that chronometer I gave you. It doesn't belong to this age. Of course, neither do you or I or... or Madeline. She and I developed this design. A cog that can run contrary to itself. What's this got to do with anything? Astrid sighed. Please, dear heart. The professor looked up at her once more. I would never ask for forgiveness after what's come to pass tonight, but I beg for your understanding. She paused and contemplated the little cog in her hands. Boudicca pulled a rather neat trick with this some days ago, she recalled. 
I wonder if I can do the same. She tied the leather thread around her neck, lowered her hands, closed her eyes, and began to speak. Madeline and I met some decade before you and I, she recalled. Astrid watched as the pendant, already glowing from the light of the fire, started to sway. The tiny disc at its centre began to spin. Silver light shone from its surface, and the woodland disappeared. They were standing in a large room that reminded Astrid of the professor's home, which she'd seen long ago when they'd spent Christmas there. It had a high ceiling, and the walls were lined floor to ceiling with books. At one end stood a large blackboard with some complex mathematical equation written upon it. In front of it stood an elderly woman in a faded green dress. She was pointing to the board with a ruler, addressing some half a dozen other women all seated before her. At once Astrid saw the professor, many years younger, sat on the second of the rows. She was watching the old woman, rapt, and scribbling notes in a book on her lap. Who's she? Astrid asked, looking at the woman with the ruler. Ariadne Fullerton, the professor smiled. Mathematician and physician extraordinaire. Not very popular, Astrid noted humorously. I'm afraid that even in my age women were not regarded highly in the fields of science and discovery, the professor recalled. Or any field, it seemed. But innovation finds its way. There were a number of scientific establishments open to us as women of learning, but right to access appeared to be somewhat fused with the right to ridicule. If a man dares to dream of touching the stars, he's a visionary. If a woman offers a means of doing it, she's a fantasist. So we found our own way together. Mrs. Fullerton was the best of us. She brought us together to learn and to share ideas, to research and experiment, to dream. The scene around them blurred and shifted. Now the professor was at the front of the class, explaining with boundless enthusiasm some complex experiment laid out before her. Flasks of colourful liquid, not unlike those housed in her ship, were bubbling on a table in front of her. Liquid pulsed through delicate tubes before boiling into vapour. The steam shot through the pipes into a large wooden chamber in which was housed a wilted potted plant. As the gases from the different flasks mingled together, a familiar silver glow formed inside the chamber. Just for a moment, the plant began to quiver. The dried edges of its leaves uncurled and brightened, as though it were coming to life again. Then one of the glass tubes exploded in a shower of shards, and the plant drooped again. It was of no matter. The women in the room were standing and applauding. And for the first time, Astrid could see the soothsayer, Madeline, stood amongst them. The professor watched Astrid glare at the apparition. She closed her eyes and pushed the memory forward. The world slowly turned, little snapshots of life playing out all around them, a dozen memories coexisting and orbiting their bearer. Madeline was a great admirer of my work, the professor recalled, as the image of the two conversing in Mrs. Fullerton's room revolved past them. Much like myself, her interests spanned history as well as science. I had lived the most extraordinary childhood, Astrid. I cannot begin to explain. I had seen so much of the world. More images now, of a young girl sat atop her father's shoulders, being carried up hills and through caves, running through fields and wading into the sea. Astrid watched the professor smile warmly at the apparitions. She looked at the man in the memories. Atop his head was a familiar, beaten, broad-brimmed hat. So that's where she had inherited it from. That, Astrid pondered, and a great deal besides. As a young woman I kept travelling, alone, that is, 
but I found myself surrounded by such awe-inspiring sights. There were jungles now, and deserts, and fields of ice and snow. Through them all trekked a vision of the younger professor in her father's weathered hat. But then even the farthest reaches of the world were not enough. There had to be more. Think of all the wonders lost to history. What if it were possible to go back to them? A glimmer of the professor's old energy was stirring now, but Astrid simply ignored it. So where does she come into it, then? The professor paused, wounded. She concentrated, and the memories surrounding them returned to glimpses of herself with Madeline, chatting in Mrs. Fullerton's lectures, dining together, walking through Hyde Park. Madeline didn't have the same background as myself. I'm under no illusion how extraordinary it was. But her enthusiasm and interest in glimpsing the past entirely matched my own, as did her scientific skill. The floating memories all dissipated to reveal one single recollection. This was a room Astrid had set foot in herself, the workshop at the professor's house in Atwell Street, London. The younger professor and Madeline were busy working on a complex machine composed of wiring and metal cogs, not unlike the one around the older professor's neck, only much larger and less elegant. Madeline was winding a handle attached to the box whilst the professor made adjustments to the wires. Gradually, a silver bubble of light formed within the workings of the machine, expanding to the size of a watermelon. Then it popped. The two young inventors stood open-mouthed and then leapt into one another's arms in celebration. Soon the memory moved on. Now they were sat together in the same chair, looking at the device and talking animatedly. A happy couple. We were alike in a great many ways. Outsiders both. And yes, in time. I came to love her. Time skipped forward, offering snapshots of the past. The professor and Madeline walking through museums together and marvelling at the exhibitions, then working in the laboratory, refining the design of the cog mechanism. Soon they were sitting beside one another in a theatre, watching a play and laughing loudly, their hands clasped together in the dark of the auditorium. And then they were strolling under the stars with no other soul in sight, stealing a kiss and laughing at the bravery of it. And then back to the laboratory, where the familiar skeleton of the professor's timeship began to form. The ship was a shared invention. We developed the theory behind its workings, we experimented with hundreds, thousands of ways to manifest it. It took us the best part of a decade to perfect the design before we could even begin to test its potential. And so the researches began. Older now, the two women returned to the professor's experiment with the ailing plant. Placed within the framework of the ship, it was bathed in silver light and returned to a sapling. Then sparks erupted from one of the control panels and the plant, pot and soil evaporated to dust. They pressed on, investigating and refining, until the workshop was filled with flowering blooms. First came the understanding of how to move time around objects, and then we progressed to moving objects through time. The professor paused, her throat tight. Which was when? Astrid watched the workshop shift and change. The ship was much more advanced now. The controls were still roughly lashed together, but the essence of the craft was complete. Madeline stood on the marble platform, attaching various wires that trailed across the room to another machine the professor was tinkering with. She then moved to join her, leaving an apple on the marble platform. They activated the experiment, and the apple disappeared. 
the professor counted the time, and seconds later, the apple returned. On the projection sped, showing more experiments, more objects vanishing and reappearing. And then came the critical moment. Astrid watched as an inaudible argument unfolded before her. Why were the memories silent, she wondered. What is it she doesn't want anyone to hear? At last we had to test the ship for ourselves. However, we couldn't agree who would conduct the voyage. At that time, one operator needed to remain behind to monitor things whilst another piloted the ship. Neither of us wanted to risk the other's life, but Madeline won out in the end. And then... And... The professor closed her eyes tightly. Astrid watched the tears chase one another down her cheeks. Madeline took her place in the ship as the younger professor began to operate the controls of her own device. A glow formed around the craft and the copper blades began to turn. Madeline's fingers danced over the ship's controls and soon a familiar veil of light descended over the machine. She reached up to send the gyroscope into motion only for a bolt of energy to shoot out and seize hold of her. The younger professor saw at once and ran across to her injured partner, whose body convulsed with pain. The secondary machine the professor had been operating burst into flames, and the controls in the ship began to overload. Torn between two perils, the professor ran back to the fire. I tried to shut it down, the older professor sobbed. I wanted to make it stop. The energy flowing through Madeline's body became a torrent, and soon Astrid realised she was looking at the time river, thundering through the woman who sought to sail upon it. The silent memory began to scream, a wail the likes of which Astrid had never known. The light around the machine flared, smashing every glass instrument and burning every wire. When it faded, Madeline was gone. The last thing Astrid saw in the apparition was the stricken professor falling to her knees. She fell into the river, the professor whispered once more seated opposite Astrid with the fire between them. The machinery was in tatters. It took so long to repair. Months more of work just to get it back to where we'd reached and then push it further. And when the ship was ready, I promised I'd find her. Every journey we took I was looking for her. I searched the records of the editors. I scoured the archive at the end of the world. I tried everywhere, but she wasn't there. She was nowhere like she'd ceased to exist. The professor's tears coursed down her face. I knew then that I'd lost her, and it was all my fault. She did what she did off her own back, Astrid said. Mention of the data archive she and the professor had found millennia in the future stirred a memory. She too had seen inside it, and caught glimpses of the professor's life before they had met. But on that occasion there had only been a shadow beside her. A shadow, she realised now, of the woman lost to time. Silly old woman, the professor chastised herself. So long ago now, I thought I'd made my peace, but... She survived. And killed Gaius, Astrid spat. A pang of guilt stabbed at her, but she needed to speak. I ain't forgiven her for that, Prof. I'm sorry she was lost to you, but it don't make what she's been doing right. I know the professor said. I'm so sorry, Astrid. Seeing her again, I was... I was astounded. I, I didn't think. Why is she doing it? Astrid cut in. I saw a bunch of those things before. One of them spoke. Said they were the days to come. What does she need them for? It's like she was feeding on them. I don't know, 
said the professor, shaking her head. I don't understand. I've, I've never seen anything like it. There's something else. The professor looked at her through the fire with concern. What is it, dear heart? It's Yarrow, Astrid explained. The professor frowned as she placed the name. Oh, yes, of course. One of the enforcers. What of her? I've seen her, Astrid explained, feeling foolish at the absurdity of the claim. There's been all these weird things going on. All linked with time, I reckon. Like there's a fracture running right through where we are now, and she could see through it. Did you speak to her? asked the professor. What did she say? She was trying to warn us, Astrid recalled, and I know what she meant now. She meant the soothsayer. Madeline, I mean. The professor smiled at the thoughtfulness of the correction. She said something about Holloway setting a trap, and that we weren't safe. Get away from her, she said. Because if something's amiss with history, it seems Madeline is at the centre of it, mused the professor. Did Holloway know, I wonder? Did she set a trap to catch her? Or whatever they thought was causing the disturbance? If they have, then clearly it's not worked. I found the ship, Astrid explained. Boudicca's army's got it. I think the power's coming back to it. We can get away if we can get back to their camp. We can't leave Madeline, the professor insisted. She saw Astrid bristle. We cannot leave her here. She doesn't belong in this century. If there's some damage to the River of Time in this century and Yarrow and her officers can't intervene, then it's up to us to fix it. And I fear only Madeline has the answers that will lead to a solution. Astrid looked at the burning logs at the heart of the fire and thought back to the cracks she had seen covering the landscape. What if we're already too late? The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier, Goddess of Victory, an Unbound Theatre production written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson with music by Kevin MacLeod.